Back on the High Motor Podcast, talking here on what should have been day two of the first four, what should have been the eve of the first round of the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be a shorter episode today, but a good one with Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune hopping on here in a minute. And then I will be back this weekend with a longer episode, get into some things that that Chase Kitty and I have been wanting to talk about, been meaning to talk about as we kind of navigate this this bizarre sports free period in which our in which our lives really for the first time ever aren't being guided by sports anymore. You know, our schedules aren't being guided by sports at the moment. So we'll get into more stuff with with a longer episode this weekend. For now, please welcome to the show the incomparable Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune who so graciously fit the High Motor Podcast in that busy streaming schedule this week. Teddy, what is your what is your streaming drug of choice during this sports-free period? Yeah, there's so much. I, I, I'm trying to figure out if I if I watch the second season of Fleabag, um, that that great hilarious series on uh, Amazon Prime. I started to watch that last night. I know I watched the first six episodes. Trying to get to the second one. Um, watched uh, Parasite the other day. Uh, rented that. Um, watched uh what's the leonardo dicaprio once upon a time in hollywood that's been interesting i've been really earning father of the year points by showing my 11 year old my favorite all-time episodes of curb your enthusiasm so she's been learning about um let's see prostitution and drugs and uh, various things like that so that's been uh that's been a moment you know i was curious I- i'm pretty sure that i'm a little bit younger than you are. And I was wondering, I, I've pretty much grown up in in the streaming world for the most part. I mean, what what would have happened if this went down 25, 30 years ago? Like, what are, there's only so many channels that were on, I mean, what were five channels were on TV back then? Yeah, man. I mean, when I grew up, I, I think I was still in the age where you had to, like, physically go up and change the channel. Um, and, uh, right, I think there were about three or four good ones. So I tell my kids that all the time. It's like, man, you guys are living through the strangest period in human history, but be grateful because there's just no end to the amount of stuff that you can read and watch. I mean, I want to carve out some time and like just go on like the YouTube Masters channel because they have like every Masters, at least highlights from the final round starting like 1968. Then Andy Staples from The Athletic did like top 10 college football games to stream. Um, I mean, I never even started like narcos mexico or peaky blinders i mean and and my inbox is still still somehow at 800 i thought by today my inbox would be at like one so um and then hey the job continues uh working on some stories did the paul column a northwestern thing doing a story about a sports media figure out here tim doyle so I will certainly be, uh, you know, trying to uh, write some stuff while this is going on. Yeah, so with Northwestern specifically, I remember you wrote an article, I think it was three or four weeks ago, you wrote an article saying that, that Chris Collins is not on the hot seat, he should not be on the hot seat at Northwestern, and, and I want to ask you about the DePaul situation here in a little bit, but, you know, after after the last, I don't know, we've, we've now, the season unofficially, or I guess officially ended now six, seven days ago, 
And we're chatting here on Wednesday morning, Wednesday, March 18th. And right now, from my count, there have only been 17 coaching changes in college basketball since the start of the season. So that's including Evansville and all those early ones. But even though it's still early on, we're sitting here March 18th, 17 changes after averaging you know more than 50 the last several years. How much of this slow coaching carousel do you attribute to the virus? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how like the, the most patient programs are within about a 10-mile stretch here, and that would be uh, Northwestern and DePaul. I mean, Northwestern's had three straight substandard seasons, and um, the AD Jim Phillips uh, feels really good still about the um, direction of the team. They've got a lot of good young players, uh, or at least he feels uh, a good young core, still feels confident about Chris Collins. Next year's going to be the test. If, if Northwestern struggles again next year, if these guys are not really developing and they're in the bottom, you know, two or three of the Big Ten, I'm not sure what Jim Phillips is going to do. I mean, obviously, everybody feels so grateful to Chris because he was the guy there for the breakthrough in 2017. But they got a new, fancy, new, awesome gym, and they want to fill those seats. So that'll be interesting. DePaul, nobody can figure out what the heck's going on there. I, I mean, that is just the most mysterious program in the country where – uh, Dave Leto is permitted to finish last basically every year in the Big East. And then um, they're working on an extension. I mean, even before the season in September, the AD of 18 years, Gene Lenti Ponsetto said, yeah, we're working on an extension. So Jeff Goodman had tweeted out some news that, that Gene was telling people we're still working on it. So I, I tried to confirm that. And they essentially said, yes, it's the same thing as we talked about before the season. So I don't know. They've been working on an extension with a guy who probably shouldn't be there for the last six or seven months. I, I'm not sure what world they're living in, but uh, I almost wish I could visit it because it, it would be fun to be in an alternate reality right now. Yeah, looking back at that, I mean, he hasn't finished above the above eighth in the Big East any of his five years, 3-15 and 15 the Big East um, last season. You seem confused, but I'm still going to ask you again, like, why is he... Why is he worth extending? Are they just not taking their their basketball program seriously here? It, it's it's Andrew. It's like the weirdest thing ever because it's not like oh, it's a great football program, so they can just slough off on basketball. It's DePaul. There's, you know, there's no football. Uh, they, they've still got a good women's basketball program that they take a lot of pride in, but basketball is the engine. I mean, why they've just decided to be content with losing year after year after year, especially this year because that roster was actually loaded with veteran players. I mean, this is the one they start out nine and oh, this is good. This is going to be the year that they break free when they were nine and oh, I was watching some college basketball studio shows and it was just a flat out assumption that they were going to make the tournament. And then not only not make it, but like they, you know, finished last in the big East, they were an absolute train wreck. So, and the culture was bad, which I wrote about a little bit in my column. So, um, it is absolutely confounding what's going on there and why, you know, Ponsetto is allowed to be AD after year after year after year and why Dave Leto is permitted to coach. So, you know, looking again at, at this coaching carousel, I mean, those are jobs that obviously aren't changing this year. You know, what what do you expect with, with such a slow carousel this year? Like I said, 17, and maybe that's going to swell up to 25, 30, but still about half of what we've had. I mean, do you... Is there like is there a sympathy factor here? I mean, do you see this leading to to mass firings next year, and programs are just scared, or they have other priorities? What what do you attribute to this? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I don't have the pulse on that nationally, so I don't know if there are a bunch of jobs out there, a bunch of schools where everybody was assuming the coach was going to get canned and didn't because 
maybe the administration just feels it's tasteless or they're distracted or they feel like it's just not a priority right now. Maybe they want to, you know, save their money, not pay a buyout and just focus on, you know, the well-being of the students and the student athletes. You know, I'm just looking at it big 10 wise. I think the only school where people really were curious was Minnesota and Minnesota is bringing back Richard Pitino. Uh, are they doing that for any Corona related reasons? I don't know. Um, I think Richard, you know, had an okay season. They were not going to make, uh, the NCAA tournament, um, unless they had a crazy run, uh, in the big 10 tournament. So maybe there is a sense of, Hey, you know, these coaches were not afforded the opportunity to advance in their conference tournaments if you're on the fence, let's just uh, do the safe thing, save money, keep the guy, and uh, see how he does next season. What's What's your opinion on that? I mean, do you do you think it's tasteless at all, or you got to make a change when you got to make a change, and it doesn't matter, you know, the extenuating circumstances? I think if a guy's right on the fence, you keep him. I, I, I do think right now, you know, if you're going to try to make an announcement. Um, oh, we're firing our coach. We're giving him an $8 million buyout. Now we're going to have to look for a new coach. Um, yeah, that just doesn't really seem right about now unless there's an extreme uh, situation like, say, at DePaul. Um, you know, DePaul, if it had gotten rid of Dave Leto, let's say, you know, several days ago, could have gone after Bryce Drew. It turns out Bryce Drew is now the coach at Grand Canyon. And, you know, as you know, also, Andrew, like these things all work together. So, if there are not a lot of interesting coaches available and on the market, then schools are less likely to fire theirs because they think it's going to be harder to get a replacement. You know, one big exception to that was UIC, Illinois, Chicago, which fired Steve McLean, even though the Flames got to the finals of, uh, of their conference tournament. So that was a little surprising, except for the fact that there's a new AD and obviously ADs usually like to come in and bring in their own guys. One more elaboration on that. I mean, you said that maybe people are on the fence. You, you keep them around. Why Why do you think that is? I mean, do you think that the sympathy factor is there? It might be hard for this other guy to find a job because, like you said, there's not many openings. Traveling's a little bit challenging right now. You're worried about his family. Maybe he knows somebody that has the virus, something like that. What do you attribute to that to that sympathy factor there? Well, I just think it's more like the athletic directors and school presidents have been so consumed with Corona and, um, you know, canceling spring sports and doing all the things you have to do, you know, scholarship wise to sort of get your house in order that, yeah, they just feel like maybe it's a luxury to be able to to fire your basketball coach. So unless the guy, you know, has been uh, cheating, although nowadays cheating doesn't even get you fired, unless the guy's been losing at an insane rate. Uh, maybe you just give him another shot um, and right. Look at like, you know, the leagues I, you know, I cover the most big 10 and big East, you know, Nebraska is not going to fire Hoiberg. He's obviously first year there. Uh, Northwestern is not going to fire Chris Collins. Um, Minnesota uh, held on uh, to Patino above him was, you know, Purdue. And obviously they feel great about what they have. And then in the big East, DePaul would have been the one DePaul had the, you know, the one horrendous season. So, uh, if no firings are coming out of those leagues, um, you know, that's going to have uh, a bit of an effect on the rest of the country, probably. Yeah, you mentioned Nebraska, and that was one that one job that opened up last year, uh, filled by somebody that, that you covered in Chicago there for a few years, Fred Hoiberg, really rough season uh, in Lincoln. And, and yeah, year one, roster issues, all that, still, you know, really, really rough season for him, the first one. What's your take on Fred? I mean, do you think that he's capable of doing what he did at, at Iowa State at Nebraska? Do you think that he's going to jump at the next NBA job that comes up for him? 
Well, I just don't know if he's going to get an NBA job. So my, my opinion on Fred, I, I, I have great respect for him. I think he probably should be in the NBA. I think he'd have his most success there. Uh, everyone I talk to says the same thing about him. You know, the players say, this guy's an offensive genius. I mean, he is so good at drawing up little plays um, before the game and certainly throughout the game, during the game, that get guys open. I mean, he is... Uh, a pace and space guy and that's what the nba is so i really feel like he's got the x's and o's mastery to do it in the nba you know college wise is he going to work his butt off to recruit to a place that you know very very little tradition that you know nobody can drive to all the top players gonna have to fly to that's tough i mean he it needs a staff that is going to do an unbelievable sales job. Now, Nebraska does have two things. they got amazing facilities and great fans. So you already have two advantages over some places. So I don't see Nebraska getting into the upper half of the Big Ten. Can, can they get to, you know, whether eighth or ninth in the league and maybe sneak into an NCAA tournament? I think so. But I think Fred's long-term future would be in the pros. So do you get the feeling like he's he's biding his time? And, and while he was at Iowa State for so long, it became the question of, yeah, he's from Ames, he's the mayor and all that stuff. There's so much, so many ties there. A lot of people thought maybe he would just be at Iowa State for, for 20 or 30 years, and that changed. So do you get the feeling like now that he's at Nebraska, has some ties there, obviously not as strong as Ames and Iowa State. Do you get the feeling like he's biding his time and just waiting for something better? Well, I just – so let's remember what happened. Like the Nebraska job opens last year in March, and the NBA season is still going on. And Nebraska gives him an amazing offer, um, you know, tons of money, and he, he really has thick ties to Nebraska. It's where his grandfather had coached. I believe he was born in Lincoln. So seriously, out of the entire country, removing Iowa State, Nebraska was like the most logical place for him. Plus, it does have that great fan base and facilities. So at that point, Fred is looking at it and saying, well, I can't turn this down. I mean, it's, it's March. What am I going to turn this down and then wait until, you know, May for the you know, NBA for these NBA jobs to open or, or at least April? It just didn't make any sense. So I think he figured, all right, I don't love recruiting, but this is way too good a job to turn down. If I have a great run here in Nebraska, um, maybe I go back to the NBA at that point. You said you have a, t- a ton of respect for Fred. Where does he rank on on your favorite coaches to cover in Chicago over the? And what have you been there for twenty five years? <laughs> yeah, man, twenty four years. March 11, 1996. Oh no, crazy, right? So where where does he sit among all the all the coaches you've covered that that you really enjoy being around? Yeah, I mean, Fred is low key. He's funnier than you think. Um, he's certainly you know, more forthcoming when there's not a microphone stuck in his face. But um, I, I really enjoy being around him. He's, you know, he's, he's a real person. Um, the only, like in general, basketball coaches are great to deal with. You know, I feel like they always make an effort. There's always going to be a personality there. The only one that became a real pain uh, in some ways was Thibodeau. You know, he, there was just no chit chat with him. There was no schmoozing. I mean, again, like, Football coaches tend to be, you know, more almost like militaristic and uptight and we're not going to give any information and we're not going to tell you what we're thinking and who's injured. And basketball coaches are more like, you know, Steve Kerr or Chris Collins, where, you know, they realize it's not going to change. It's not going to change the world if they tell you a player's turned his ankle. They tend to be more schmoozy, uh, you know, show their personalities more. So every basketball coach has been good, but 
man, Tibbs was, uh, he was a bit tough. Uh, there would be like long, awkward pauses when we would be uh, interviewing him in, in group settings. One thing I want to I want to ask you before you go here, as somebody who's like you said, twenty four years, you've been in the business for quite a while here. With all of, with all the closures around the country, a lot of industries are hurting, a lot of businesses are closing. Any concern from your end, not you specifically necessarily, but any concern about journalism layoffs here, or do you think that these circumstances are are actually kind of unique that 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 enough websites and newspapers will be okay during this time? Oh, I mean, I've been saying for ever, you know, I could be at the Tribune for 20 more years or 20 more minutes. Um, there's no real <laughs> job certainty in our business. There are dozens upon dozens of phenomenal sports writers who have, um, you know, been laid off through absolutely no fault of their own. In normal times, all these guys would have great jobs. But I mean, look at it, you know, ESPN alone or different places like, like the caliber of people who, um, who they've lopped off is just amazing. So nobody in our business uh, can get cocky and feel safe. Um, I don't know what this will do to us. Uh, on the one hand, people are going to be hungrier for news, you know, than ever. Uh, on the other hand, companies will be advertising even less. So if you were counting on advertising revenue, uh, I'm sure you're in a, a world of hurt right now, man. So I don't try to forecast it. I just hope uh, hope to continue to be able to write good stuff that, you know, the goal is to inform and entertain people. So hopefully I'm able to do that sometimes. All right, Teddy, always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for dropping by and take care this week. Enjoyed it, Andrew. Be well, my friend. I saw a friend today. It had been a while. And we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter because deep inside the feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in between